Father, we pray that you would help us to better understand you and your ways as we look into your word. We ask that you'd keep us from lowering you down to our level, but that in some sense you'd lift us up to see something more of your glory and greatness. Help us by thy spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And be seated. <clears throat> well, I won't have you turn to this verse, but uh, it's the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's kind of our keynote for this evening. And uh, what I'd like to do is to speak to you briefly about nothing. (laughs) I hope you don't think that's my normal message. Uh, Actually... They asked me at supper what I was going to speak about, and I said, nothing. And Ryan said, well, good, that shouldn't take too long. (laughs) But what I hope to share with you tonight is some thoughts on the biblical teaching that God created all that is out of nothing. Now, you may think, that you've heard that before, and I'm sure you have. But if you're like me, you probably haven't given it a whole lot of thought. And I want to give it just a little more thought this evening. I really think that if we see something of what that means, it should expand our sense of the majesty and glory of God. Theologians speak of creation ex nihilo, which means creation out of nothing. Now that means that God used no pre-existing material in order to make the universe. But it also means a lot more than that. And that's what I hope to give a little feel for this evening. It means that before creation... Nothing else existed except God himself. When it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth, that's talking about the beginning of this universe. But obviously, God existed before that. So, what we're saying when we're talking about creation out of nothing is that nothing else existed except God before he created the universe. There was no heaven, no earth, no angels, nothing and no one but the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for all eternity past, if you can speak of that, this is going to be one of the big problems tonight, is being able to express what I'm trying to 
get across. I don't even know if you can talk about eternity past. But anyway, for all eternity past, prior to creation, he was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, in need of nothing. Had he been so pleased, he might have continued alone for all eternity without making his glory known to any anyone but himself. Uh, Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, quotes a poem <clears throat> by a man named, named Frederick Faber. And this is part of the poem. It says, Timeless, spaceless, single, lonely, yet sublimely three, Thou art grandly, always only, God in unity. Lone in grandeur, lone in glory, who shall tell thy wondrous story, wondrous story, awful trinity. Now the word awful there means full of all. Um, who shall tell thy wondrous story? Well, he was in that situation, that condition of self-sufficient, self-contained, self-existent from, from everlasting. Now that right there you see, think back of creation and you go back forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, I could keep going. And there's God. And that's all there is. Just God. Forever. So the, the fact that God created out of nothing means far more than we usually think. Now, the, the actual phrase, creation out of nothing, is not found in the Bible, but it is clearly the intent of the verse that we read there in Genesis chapter 1 and a host of other scriptures. So let's just look at a few uh, quickly here. In the Psalms, <clears throat> Psalm 33. <clears throat> There's a verse that tells us how God did it. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So by the word of the Lord. And then if you skip down to verse 9. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And then Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born... Or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. And then let's skip to the New Testament, the book of John. <clears throat> and, of course, these are just some of the more prominent ones. John chapter 1, verse 3. All things... So that pretty much covers the whole gamut of creation. All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing. 
There's no room outside of that, you see. It's God and Him creating everything else. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16 and 17. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And then Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God spoke them into existence. The worlds, the ages, were prepared by the word of God. And then, book of Revelation, chapter 4. And verse 11. Revelation 4.11 Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they exist, existed and were created. Because of the will of God. Why is there anything rather than nothing? Because of the will of God. And he made everything out of nothing. Thou didst create all things. So those are just a few of the verses that fit in to what we're looking at here. <clears throat> we're, we, you know, we've got to keep from lowering God down to our level in any way. <clears throat> Before we can work on something, we have to have the tools and the materials to do something. But God began with nothing... And by his word alone, out of nothing, he made all things. See, all he did was speak. Let there be, and there was. The universe came forth in an instant by the word of God. All this marvelous, intricate, vast universe from nothing. Absolutely nothing. Everything from nothing. He did not create out of anything because there was not anything but God prior to creation. He didn't didn't have any material to work with. He didn't need any material to work with. All he has to do is speak. Now, one of the real difficulties in dealing with this truth, this biblical area of truth, 
is that we have such a hard time in really understanding what nothing means. Just try to think about nothing. Now, I don't know what you're thinking, but I can guarantee you one thing. You're not thinking about nothing. Absolutely nothing. You might be thinking about the word nothing. You might be trying to think about a, a blank slate. But you're thinking about something. Just try to think about what nothing must be. Well, see, already I, I've got myself into a big problem there. If I say, try to think about what nothing must be, B implies it's something. <laughs> it can't be anything, because it's nothing. Now, I'll probably say this around backwards about 50 times, but I'm trying to get across that nothing is nothing. No thing. Not anything. Nothing. It has no being. I think, actually, nothing or nothingness is beyond our comprehension. Now that's, you'd think if, so, if you could handle anything, you could handle nothing, but you can't handle it. You, can't, you cannot handle it. Our intellects, intellects cannot grasp this thing of nothingness. Well, see, it's, it's hard to speak about it. It's difficult because we speak about nothing as if it was something. And it's not something. It's nothing. Now, let me try to expand on that. What we do when we think about nothing is we smuggle in something into our understanding of nothing. So philosophers and theologians, you know, they, they try their best to get across the concept, and it, it is so hard to get across. I remember Francis Schaeffer was saying, now you, 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 you picture a, a circle... And inside that circle is everything, and there's nothing there, and then you erase the circle. That's nothing. I mean, he's trying, you see. He's trying. Aristotle, here's what he said. Nothing is that of which dreaming rocks think of. A good try. But, I don't know if it helps much, but it's kind of a different way of approaching it. <clears throat> well, the point is that nothingness has no existence. There's not such a thing as nothingness out there somewhere. It has no existence. That's the whole point. It's nothing. It's not some vast void. That's kind of the way we sometimes try to think of it. Some vast void. Uh, so, you know, our idea then of God creating out of nothing would be, uh, well, there's God and then there's empty space. But that's not right. 
It's like there's God, and then if I was there, there'd be something I could move through called empty space. There wasn't anything there. There's nothing. It's it's so hard to get. I mean, we can't handle it. You see, if if we just think of some kind of empty void, that makes nothing something. And nothing is not something. Nothing's nothing. You know, in that way of viewing it, it would be like there's God and nothingness. But there wasn't God and nothingness. There was just God. Even if I say there was God, there was God and there was nothingness. See, I've used the word "was." What's that do? That implies being. There was nothing. There was nothing. Just God. Was implies existence. But there was not God in nothingness. There was only God. Nothing means absolutely nothing. No thing. No matter. No space. No energy, no mass, no forces, no fields. I mean, like magnetic fields. Not the least little bit of a subatomic particle at all. Nothing. Only the eternal, self-existent, triune God. And then after an infinite, I guess you can say after, I don't know. After an infinite eternity, God spoke And then there was something besides God. After, can you say that? Can you say after an infinite eternity? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, I know this. God spoke and there was. Let there be. And there was being besides God because he spoke it into existence. Matter and energy and time and space and all else came into being because of God saying, let there be something else besides me. So, what I'm saying is that this idea of God creating ex nihilo should overwhelm us. It should, if you go out and think about it, just walk out under the stars at night and think about it a little bit, it should just overwhelm us with his unfathomable power and majesty and glory. R.C. Sproul has a message entitled, God's Sovereignty Over Nothing. Intriguing title. But what he labors to do in that message is to bring out that we should be as as amazed about God's sovereignty over nothing as we are about his sovereignty over everything. In fact, it may be more amazing and awesome, the fact that he is sovereign over nothing. Only God can bring something from absolutely nothing. If he can do that, you see, if he can bring something from absolutely nothing, then surely he's sovereign over what what he makes. He's sovereign over what he's called into existence. So it's, it's really 
in one sense, it's more amazing that he's sovereign over nothing than that the fact that he's sovereign over everything that he's brought out of nothing. Only God has the power of being in himself. Only God is self-existent and self-dependent and self-sufficient and sovereign over everything and nothing. Now I want to say just a few words about a book that I just recently came across and it's causing a big stir right now by a physicist named Stephen Hawking. The book is called The Grand Design. It's just been out a month or so. But it's caused a stir because he's so well known. He's, he's almost a media figure because of his condition. He's the, he's the guy that's paralyzed. He can only move like one muscle in his cheek and they've got that hooked up so that he can communicate that way. Uh, and he's a brilliant man and a well-known physicist. But the book has caused such a stir because he takes the position in the book uh, explaining the Big Bang where he, he says that we've now arrived at the enlightened place where mathematicians and physicists can show that God is not necessary to bring the universe into existence. In fact, he would say the scientist can provide an explanation of how something came from nothing. Now, the book has got a lot of controversial and intricate theories and formulas in it that serve to mystify people that don't understand them uh, and, you know, lend credence to, the, uh, to this thing that he's trying to put forth. But... The idea that something could come from nothing. Let me just ask the simple question here. You don't have to be a physicist or a mathematician to answer this question. Here's the simple question. If there was ever such a time where nothing was, no God and absolutely nothing, the nothing we've been talking about here. If there was ever such a time as that, what would there be now? If there was a time when there was absolutely nothing, no God or nothing else, what could there be now? It's not a hard question, folks. Nothing. If there was a time when there was nothing, and I'm talking, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're thinking about nothing here. I'm talking about nothing. No thing, not anything. If there was ever a time like that, which again, that's a strange way of even being able to say it, probably. If there was ever such a situation as that, what would there be now? What could there be now? There could be nothing. It's a fundamental and I think absolute principle of logic and science, nothing comes from nothing. If that's not the case, 
If something can come from absolutely nothing, science is done for and logic is too. <coughs> nothing comes from nothing. Now, here's the catch in all this. Actually, Hawking does exactly what we've been trying to avoid in our understanding about this thing of nothingness. He makes it into something. He smuggles something into his nothing. Okay? Now, I'm going to read you the quote that usually gets quoted from the book, and I want you to see if you can pick up the smuggled-in something in his nothingness. Here's the quote. Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing, why the universe exists, why we exist. Did you catch it? Yeah. Wait, listen to the way this starts out. Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself out of nothing. Now where, where did this law of gravity come from? Was it just floating around in nothingness? I mean, really. His nothing is not nothing. You know... It's just another example of professing themselves to be wise. They become fools. This man is brilliant. And he's talking about spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Where, where did this law of gravity come from? Well, it's part of the rational way that the lawgiver set up the universe. It didn't just float in from nothing. You see, the law of gravity is a description of the interaction of matter. It does not bring matter into existence. If there wasn't any matter, there wouldn't be any gravity. There wouldn't be any law of gravity The law of gravity can't create anything. Why is there gravity in the first place? What brought it about? Well, it wasn't the law of gravity. That's just a description. The various laws of physics have no creative power. They cannot bring mass or energy or anything else into existence. Hawking has missed the basic question, although he seems to refer to it here, he really misses it. The basic question is, why is there something rather than nothing? And when that, when, in that question, the nothing means nothing. Why is there something rather than absolutely nothing? But he's snuck in some things. <coughs> You see, as Christians, we don't have to choose between God and the laws of physics. God created the laws of physics. He created them along with the, uh, the, the universe that he made. 
This is the way he's made it to function, usually. They are usually the way he's chosen to run the universe he's created. They were formulated in the eternal counsels of God. I'm talking about these various laws that Hawking's put so much emphasis on, so much uh, weight on. They were formulated in the eternal counsels of God before the creation of anything. And then the Logos, the Word, put them into effect. He made creation that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And I don't care what it is, what force, what attraction, what particle, what, what, what law, nothing came into being apart from Him. It's what the Bible tells us. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And who is this one we're talking about? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Talking about Christ here. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He was before all things, and in him all things hold together. Well, I want to close by just... uh, telling of a little time here in my life. A few days ago, I I was in the bookstore, and I happened across a... uh, This was in the Christian section. Uh, I I happened across a book. It was a large book of photos taken from the Hubble telescope of galaxies and nebula and things that were just incredible to look at. I I used to be very interested in astronomy and kind of kept up with what was being found, and I kind of lost track for a while. And I hadn't really viewed some of these things that they've seen through the Hubble telescope, and it is incredible. It is just beyond belief, some of the stuff that's out there. Uh, beautiful, uh, iridescent, multicolored nebula with all kinds of uh, just um, incredible beauty and and then you realize the vastness of what we're talking about you know millions and billions of miles light years across and away from us and you just think what what a God do we have that could make things like this and and then you think, what does God yet have for us to see out there? I mean, this is just the Hubble telescope. I mean, what, what, if, if we keep advancing in our abilities to look into deep space, what are we going to see? But beyond that, and even more, 
what will heaven be like? That was the thought that came to me when I saw those things. I saw, what will heaven be like? This is just the, the heavens of this created realm that I'm looking at here in this book. What will heaven be like? If he's made such awesome things in this realm, what will eternity hold for us? I don't know. I, I just know that even this thing, even this one little basic truth that we hear and kind of go on from, that God created everything out of nothing, we ought to slow down a little bit and contemplate what we're talking about because it just speaks of the incredible glory and power and sovereignty and majesty of God.